All right, and today's mistaking one word for another word is brought to you by Aperture. Uh, That is an opening a hole or a gap. I am just being straight up about it at this point. I'm just going with it. I'm just kidding. That says applause. Greg, did you flick the light? Thank you, Greg. He was on it. He was way ahead of me. All right, you guys, you know the drill. Uh, You're all a huge part of Weibo TV, so the better you are, the better BJ is. Uh, And you see that nice lady over there. She is giving me that sign. That sign says we are on in 10 seconds, so get ready to have a good time. Joining BJ on the show today is Casey St. Ange. All right, this is going to be a good one. Uh, So uh, strap in. All right, everyone, quiet on set, please. In five, four, three, two... Like, the only way I will do a podcast is if I can do as little work as possible. And so that's why, like, there's this whole stupid automated thing. But less about less about that, more about <laughs> you. Hello, Casey. Uh, how are you doing? I, you are the author of Worst Vampire Ever, which will... It's, a, it's actually called Jane Jones, Worst Jane Vampire Jones, Ever. Worst Vampire Ever. Thank you. Sure, of I, course. I read it about 10 years ago. Um, my ex-wife was a middle school math teacher, and so she would come home with... Uh. Uh, a lot of books, like you know, like they're meant for teens and young adults, and yeah. so like that was one of the books. So I, I very much enjoyed it. And so when I started the podcast, I was like, oh, okay, then we have to get, I have to talk to Casey. Uh, um, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure you can get it anymore, but it might be floating <laughs> around out there at a library or something. Yeah, you know, I found with because uh, my book is also about the same age. My first book, is, yeah, is about the same age as Jane Jones, and um, I had the rights reverted back to me just so I can give it away. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so now I'm just at the point where I'm like, if you want to read the book, I will send you <laughs> That's cool. I don't think I'll ever get to be able to get the rights to it, but um, you never know. Whatever. Sure. Well, tell me. <laughs> it's out there. Well, tell us, tell us what you're working on today. What am I working on today? Um, yeah. Nothing. It's Saturday. I'm not doing <laughs> yeah. anything. Um, you know, just... I'm one of those, I'm like one of the people that has been doing the gig economy since before everyone was doing the gig economy. So, you know, I'm a comedy writer, I'm a TV producer, I'm co-host a podcast, um, I write books sometimes, as we were saying, I write books for other people. So just all of that stuff. I have a production company. Everything. Doing a little bit of everything. <laughs> That's awesome. If you had to pick one project to talk about uh, with me today, what would it be? Well, I mean, I think the thing that most people are paying attention to right now is the podcast that I co-host with Busy Phillips called Busy Phillips is Doing Her Best. And so that's the thing that it has a nice community of listeners. And um, that's the thing that's coming out weekly right now. So, yeah, so that's the thing I can talk about. Everything else is, you know, how it is. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally understand. So let me let me ask you how the how the podcast come about. What was like the genesis of that? Well, I was the showrunner for Busy Phillips's late night talk show on the E Network. Um, Tina Fey hired me to be her executive producer, and Tina was another executive producer. And um, then the when the show was canceled, Busy and I wanted to continue working together, and so. We're just working on a bunch of ideas and going, having meetings. And then someone approached us about doing a podcast together. And we were like, yeah, maybe we can do 
a podcast sort of following us trying to start this production company and and get some projects off the ground. And then the pandemic happened and we were like, it's just put a hold on everything that wasn't already in motion, we felt like, and, and we just had to figure out our lives. And so we were like, well, that's it. Then the, we, we probably won't do the podcast. And then um, we were like, well, I mean, why, like, let's just change what the podcast is about. Let's just talk about what's going on in our lives right now. So that was the idea is that we were like, we're just doing the best we can. Like we're trying to figure out, like at this point, we didn't know anything about like what this pandemic was going to mean. And in a lot of ways, like, well, you know, you remembered people weren't sure like what was going to happen, you know, just some people, I remember some people were like, Oh, it'll be a couple weeks and it'll be over. Other people were like, we're 100% the, the whole earth is going to die. And, you know, and (laughs) we're like, we're somewhere between those two things. Um, yeah. So it's just been a podcast that's been about how are we, you know, how are we managing through that? And it's, it's become a really, nice community. It's not really a la Seinfeld. It's not really about anything except what we're trying to do our best at. Right. And if you had to pick an episode for people listening to this, that like they want to dive in, is there a favorite that comes to mind or just one that people should start with? There's a lot. I think there are a lot of great episodes. We've been doing it for, you know, going on a couple years now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, going on a couple of years now. But um, I mean, I have episodes that I love. My first boss, David Letterman, was a guest. My second boss, Rosie O'Donnell, was a guest. So those are very personal to me just because it was like a walk down memory lane. Um, Amber Ruffin, I feel like we had a great episode with her. Suchin Pak, who is the co-host of another um, podcast called Add to Cart with Kulap Vilaisak. Uh, She just came to us and we talked about all of the anti-Asian racism that was happening in light of the the pandemic and and also in light of people being racist. Um, And so that was really moving and informative to me. Kulap has also been a... like a co a co-host, a guest co-host with us. Um, yeah, I love them all. My friend Paula Tompkins and J- and my friend Janie Hada Tompkins, his wife. Uh, I just have a long history with them, and he's like a beloved comedian. And they host a really fun podcast together. So they came on Elizabeth Warren. These are all. I mean, I'm just listing all the episodes now. Sure. They're all. I think they're all. They all have something to offer. Yeah, I. I mean. I was disappointed when the show was canceled. I was excited about it. You oh, know, like it, it was it was one of those things where um, my sister was more aware of who Busy was yeah. initially, but I was like, "Yeah, I'll give I'll give this a try." I, I love the talk show format. Like that's, uh, that's obviously why why we're here doing this. So yeah. I, I'm happy to hear how it like it continues to survive and even. Yeah, it's uh, really it's really nice. A lot of people like I had. I felt so sad when it was canceled just because I feel like I've worked in late night and comedy variety my whole career. 
And women only ever get daytime shows, daily shows, and men get late night shows. And even when women have gotten late night shows, it's once a week. And, um, you know, and just presented with all these hurdles and it just doesn't even make any sense. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like Conan O'Brien, who I love and who I think is great. He wasn't successful when he first started out doing a late night show. They gave him a long runway to figure it out and to build an audience. And if they had listened to the reviews you know, six months in on Conan, we might not still, you know, know who Conan is today. And so no one ever does that really for women. I think only, I think only Wanda Sykes and Monique are the only two women who have had a form of a late night show for more than six months. Joan Rivers, six months and done. Uh, And the list is so short And then at one time, Busy was asked to, like, speak at – she was asked to speak at something, and um, and we wrote a little speech for her to just talk about, like, you know, just the state of television and the state of media in general – And we figured out that like more puppets had late night shows than women, like at that period that she was doing the talk. So we were just kind of like, it's messed up, you know? So anyway, yeah, it's a bummer. I'm so happy that Amber Ruffin is out there. I think she should be on five nights a week. Uh, Like, you know, it's, we don't get enough of her, you know? Um, but I'm glad that, that she's getting some time and she's getting to, to do what she's doing. I think she's immensely talented. Um, but yeah, we did 104 episodes of busy tonight in six months and I'm very proud of them. And I think we did a great job and everyone who was on the show has gone on to do incredible things, which I'm really proud of because we took a chance on, you know, we took chances on people that hadn't necessarily done that kind of thing before. Uh, yeah, because it's not brain surgery. It's about like what you're bringing to it, you know? So, yeah. So we're continuing in that tradition, uh, a little bit by like, you know, making it important. That was the mission of the show and it's the mission of the podcast to make people feel seen and heard and like, they're not alone. So we're continuing that in a small way. Hello, I'm your host of the Harriman Herald Radio Show and artificial intelligence using the voice of a dead guy for a comedy bit. You can call me Paul Shackman. I have no idea who that is, but it's a very funny name. Did his ancestors live in a shack? They must have. I hope it was a very nice shack at least and not the kind you use out in Alaska to take a shit, only to find a bear at the bottom of your toilet tunnel, angry about the piece of shit that just hit him in the face. We have time for only one story today, so let's go to Nancy Diamante who is over at Harriman State Park. Nancy. Thank you, Paul. You sound a lot like that Honest Trailers guy. Are you sure you're not him? I can't be sure of anything. I am an artificial intelligence, not a person. I only know whatever BJ tells me to say. The only thing I know for sure is that this comedy segment is proof that God is dead. He is dead. Paul, you're right. What story would you like to share with us today? Paul, I'm here outside the cave of a bear with a very troubling story. Yesterday afternoon, during his typical routine, Gary was out minding his own business. That is, until he encountered a bunch of teenagers. So I was out, just doing bear things, you know. And then I hear this noise from the bushes, like a cawcawing sound. 
A cawcawing sound. Yeah, you know, like caw-caw, caw-caw, caw-caw. And then what happened? So I go into the bushes, you know, like an idiot, and these two teenagers come out of nowhere and bite me on the ass. On the ass? The ass, Nancy, the ass. You must have been pretty mad. I mean, if they had asked permission first, I wouldn't have mind. You know what I'm saying. I do. Who doesn't like a good bite on the ass? Right, but they surprised me, so I got real mad and stood up. You know how bears do. And I roared, and then they took a photo and ran away. I bet you that shit's on Instagram. Indeed it is. The Harriman Herald was able to find the photo of Gary standing up and bellowing at his assailants. But the teenagers could not be reached for comment. Gary is currently considering pressing charges. I just want people to know that you can't bite a bear on the ass and think you're going to get away with it. Not out here. Not in my woods. We'll have more on this important story as it develops. Back to you, Paul. Thank you, Nancy. This has been another edition of the Harriman Herald. We now return you to what are you working on, already in progress. Yes, and we need more of that. So, um, <laughs> thank, thank you uh, for continuing that. Now, let me let me switch gears just a little sure. bit um, to talk about your creative process. So, sure. I imagine it's a little different per project, but uh, take us through just running running the podcast and just developing an idea. You you you, know, you mentioned uh, it's sort of like Seinfeld; it's about nothing. But like, what what is the structure or the process of putting an episode together? I mean. It really depends on what we're doing. If we have a guest, then, you know, we want the guest to shine. And we obviously always have burning questions to ask them. Um, but we, the main thing that we usually want them to talk about is a time when they had to pivot in their life, when they expected one thing to happen and they had to, they had to change things up unexpectedly by choice or, or by fate. And people have shared really amazing stories with us. Like sometimes you, you know, you always, here's what I'll say. 80% of celebrity stories on our podcast are about how people really wanted to be on SNL and something, and it didn't happen. So that is like a universal performer truth. Um, but you know, um, Natalie Morales uh, told us about an incident when she was a young actor and just on a whim went to the opera with a friend and who invited her and fell down some stairs at the Metropolitan Opera and like basically fractured her everything in her face and how she pivoted to writing because she was like, I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything with my face. And like, so I don't know that I'm going to be able to be on camera anymore. And, um, you know, she just detailed like this grueling series of surgeries that she went through and saying like, I do look different, you know, I do look different and I was really fortunate, but there was a period where I was just like, I don't know if like, working with my face is going to be in the cards anymore. And um, Josh Gondelman, I think uh, a comedian, a really beloved comedian from Massachusetts. He's, he's one of the EPs of Jesus and Marrow now. Um, he told his pivot story was about like telling his wife when he first met her that like, you know, just like really deciding to, make it work. Like it was like a situation where he was going away for a long time and he had decided that she was probably the one. And, uh, yeah. So really various, really various stories that people have told. Um, actor Julia Duffy from Newhart shared with us 
how she uh, lost her son to suicide and how that affected her life. And she said she really thought, you know, she was really thinking up until the last minute about whether she was going to talk about that. And I was so glad she did because so many of the things she said, I think apply to all of us in life and the way that we, we could think about things. And um, it was just, I know that it was probably a really, really uh, difficult thing to open up about. I would imagine it was difficult, but also I was really glad she did. And it was really generous. So when we're talking to guests, that's what we're, we're just making sure that we're informed, but we like know most of the people. So we feel pretty well informed and it's fun and casual. You know, we consume a massive amount of pop culture, which just on our own, and we talk about that. And then you, we just have to be ready to talk about what we're doing our best at. And, um, you know, the whole point is that it's kind of casual and low lift for us because Busy and I are both at a point in our careers where we're like, wouldn't it be cool to just do something where like no one is going to cancel us? Like, you know, no executive is going to say, Oh, you know, we wish you were doing twice as well as you are. So we're going to pull the plug on this, whatever. Like, so we produce the podcast independently and it's really great for us because we can just do what we like, you know? Right. What was, what was your pivot point? Because that's something that I ask a lot on this show. So I would just love to hear yeah, from you. Sure. I, think, I mean, I think my pivot was like, I was, my whole entire career took place in New York City. And I was, you know, years into it, like decades into it. And then heard from Busy and Tina Fey about this project and, you know, I pretty, I was pretty determined that I wasn't considering it because it was in LA and I was leaving a very secure position to take this very insecure position as it always is on any new show. And, um, and it was a step up in terms of responsibility for me, just because when you're working on like a show, that's a well-oiled machine and you're starting from scratch that's, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a huge job to start a show. And in a place where I'd never really worked at length in Los Angeles, it was a, it was a big job, but both Tina and busy were like, you're the one that we want to do this. So hopefully you'll agree. And so, you know, I talked to my family and it was hard because I came out here and my younger son and my husband eventually followed suit and my younger son came to school out here, but my older son was in college back on the East coast. And so, you know, it just required a lot of coordination and thought and supportiveness from people whose lives were also being affected. Like if my younger son had said, I don't want you to go, I want to stay in high school here that would have been it. I would have said no, but he was like, yeah, why not? Like, I wish this was happening a couple years later after I finished high school, but it's not, it's happening now. So we got to either do it or don't, but I say do it, you know? And so, yeah, so that was a huge pivot for me because I really never expected to live in Los Angeles. And now I guess I live here forever. (laughs) 
Which which is the common thing that I, that I hear a lot from everyone that moves there, right? Oh, I'm it's like, sure. I, I I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know how I got here, but yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Let me let me ask you if you had to give a piece of advice to content creators that are out there today, like what would you? What's one thing that you would want to share with them? I mean, it's hard, right? Because we got a lot of advice that we considered not great advice, and people speak with authority all the time. They love to give you advice and they say it with authority and it sometimes can make you feel like, oh, that's the way to do this. And sometimes they're right, but sometimes it's just an opinion. And so, you know, and you know what you're trying to do and you, if you have any audience or, or like fans that are already paying attention to what you're doing or like your heart is telling you what you want to do, then you kind of have to do that. You know, you kind of have to, I think, and there's no guarantee that that will be successful. But I just think that when you, when people are giving this like authoritative advice, they're often talking about, well, this is the only way that would work. And this is the only way you're going to make money. This is the only way you're going to sell this. This is the, and I just feel like those are the wrong, the wrong things to be hoping for. Because even if you did everything perfectly to a T formulaically, the way that your industry prefers it, it's, you still might not have a success on your hands. You just might not. It's a lot more whimsical than that. You know, it's, it's a lot. And if you're not delivering something that sparks something in someone, then that's, you know, it doesn't matter if you followed all the rules. And by the same token, I think if you're delivering something that sparks something in someone, it doesn't matter that you like skipped over a couple of the rules, you know? So like, it's, it's interesting. I think that like some feedback is valuable, but also some feedback just isn't like you just don't have to accept all of the feedback, you know? And on the flip side of that, a lot of people ask for feedback a lot and they don't really want it. <laughs> so that's, um, you know, a lot of people, especially sort of neophyte writers, emerging writers will ask for feedback. They want you to read something and they want your, your notes on it. And first of all, the first thing you should recognize is anyone that you're like reaching out to for notes, even if it's just like your friend from your writing group, it takes time to read something and to like formulate thoughtful notes. Um, when people in your workshops are giving you notes, if you're asking like, a mentor or someone that you work with who, who has been at this for a while, it takes a while. And so like, if someone agrees to give you notes and they really do it and they give you thoughtful notes and there are some criticisms in there, the last thing that they want is to like, get into like an argument with you where you're defending 
you know, well, this is why I did this and, and I think you're wrong. And so there's, there's a lot of that. You might be surprised. There's a lot of that because I get it. Like where you get defensive, you feel precious about the work that you worked really hard on. Um, but that's a place where you can remind yourself, well, I can either take this feedback or leave it. But, um, also I would encourage people to go back one step and really ask themselves like, well, what am I wanting? You know, like, do I really want feedback or do I not? Um, and people, sometimes I think they ask for feedback when really they want advice or they want like maybe a job lead. And so that's a weird situation too, because it requires the person that you're asking to do all types of like deduction and, um, mystery solving. And then it turns out that they usually don't have a job they could give you anyway. So it's kind of like a fool's errand, not a fool's. That's rude. You're not a fool. (laughs) If you thought you could do that, you could make that happen. But, um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work out necessarily the way that you would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're hardly ever going to like cold email someone or cold tweet someone and be like, do you have any opportunities? And they'll be like, yeah, you know, that really requires like, it requires, I think like a gradual and gentle get to know you process and, you know, and interaction where the person at some point might be like, Oh, Hey, you know, you and I know each other a little bit. Now I've seen your work. You seem amazing, but also not overbearing and not asking too much. And you seem like a hard worker. And so, yeah, can I do a recommendation for you? Or I know of a job that might be right for you if you're interested in it. You know, it's like, it's hard. There's so much, um, there's so much hope and so much ego. Yes wrapped up in this business and it really, it makes everything a little more complicated than I think, um, I like, I would, (laughs) I would wish it was like a little, and, and, you know, and people do try to be nice, um, a lot. And sometimes I think that's not doing anyone the favor that you think it is. Cause it would be better to be honest. Like, this isn't really great. You know, sometimes people are like, I've had people tell me a million times, this is great. Just keep trying. And I'm like, keep trying what? Right. Right. (laughs) You know, when what they probably meant was this, this has some parts of it that are okay, but some parts of it aren't here yet. Here's what you need to fix. So I've always really, really valued someone that would be honest with me like that. And always tried to, but not successfully checked myself when I wanted to be like, no, but that you're wrong about your opinion that I asked for. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, cause we're, we're almost out of time. So I wanted to make sure I got these two points in. So, uh, is there someone that you would like to highlight who maybe doesn't necessarily get the attention that you, th- that you think their work deserves? Oh, I mean, so many people. I love um, stand-up comedian Robin Tran. I'm really enjoying her comedy right now. Uh, I love um, Vinny Thomas. Uh, He's like, he does comedy, but I'm loving these like characters that he does online. Um, 
Stephanie Koenig is someone who uh, makes independent comedic movies. Um, her last one, I believe it's called Spy Movie, is uh, on YouTube, but I think it's coming to streaming. But they made it for a super low budget. Brian Jordan Alvarez, who I also really enjoy. Uh, he also does like characters on Instagram that are... It's like a, he has a whole universe going on, but they co-star in this movie and it's really genuinely funny and has so many funny moments. And um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends that I always want to shine a light on too, but they're all pretty successful. So um, I'm keeping it to people that I think deserve to be like 10 times more famous than they are. A hundred times. Where can we, I, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's something I wish I could do, right? Like I wish I could wave a wand to someone like that. And yes, like, yeah. You, you do great work. You're, that's when that's why the show exists. Like yes. that was the whole point behind this. Ah, oh, that's uh, so great. That's nice that you do that. Where where could we learn more? I mean, so we know Busy Phillips is doing her best, uh, which you're the co-host of uh, Jane Jones' Worst Vampire Ever, which may not be readily accessible, but I, I encourage I encourage people to go and find it where they can. And where. Where can we follow you online? Where can we get more of your stuff? Oh, I'm just like on Instagram doing my thing at Instacase um, on Twitter under my first name at Casey. And uh, I'm, you know, I will occasionally guest host, uh, um, guest on other podcasts, sometimes guest host on other podcasts. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm up to. And I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California. Nice. That's that's all the questions I got. Is there anything you wish that, uh, that I'd asked that I didn't? No, just thank you so much for, I think this is really nice. And um, I think it was very kind of you to invite me to talk. Um, and so thank you so much for that. And thank you for for accepting and for for coming on the show. I this was this was a real pleasure. I didn't get to like half the stuff I wanted to ask you, so uh, someday I, I would love to ask you back um, if you went, if and when you have something that's like out of NDA that we can talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be great. Another time for sure. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty upset that the Mets are good now. Why is that? Because now we can't experience things like when they had a 97-year-old pitching coach. You mean Phil Regan? Yeah, that guy who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. That team hasn't even existed for 65 years. Like, do you understand how close we all came to having this super old guy coaching the Mets? Do you understand the kind of comedy gold that could have been, like right now when we need laughter the most? He probably wouldn't even remember who was on the team. Regan would be in the dugout chewing tobacco and saying shit like, Send in Willie Mays. And then one of the guys on the bench would be like, Coach, Willie Mays is dead. And then Regan would be like, the hell he is, get him in there. I don't think Willie Mays is dead. He's not. And I hope Willie Mays lives forever, I really do. But Willie Mays also hasn't played for the Mets since 1973. Anyway, I just want people to understand the potential joy that we're all deprived of now that the Mets are good. Hmm. Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Weiwo.tv, you know what you need to do. Rate us and leave us a review wherever your favorite podcast can be found. That'll help people find this show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you did. You did enjoy the show, right? We're going to assume you did, because you made it to the outro. Most people don't. Be sure to follow BJ on Instagram at BJ Mendelson and tell him who you'd like to see interviewed next. 
You can also text your suggestions to BJ at 646-331-8341. But don't call that number. BJ says he's only going to answer if you're Melissa O'Neill from ABC's The Rookie. Also, only if you're going to ask him out on a date. We'll see you next time. Right?